gotta tell somebody. This is the best thing I've ever seen. That. Let's talk about that. Let's you talk need about this. that. Listen to this. Memorable and exciting. Well, then be less boring. I'm gonna tell everyone. Wait here. Quite a remarkable big daddy. Remarkable. Remarkable. Welcome to Remarkable, a podcast for B2B marketers that deconstructs the most iconic moments in film, television, pop culture, and advertising for a single purpose, to give you, the B2B marketer, the same storytelling techniques that the pros use. In each episode, you will learn techniques from Hollywood, Pixar, Marvel, and beyond, from Spielberg's hands to yours, bringing remarkable content ideas to you every single week. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. This is Remarkable. This week, we're going to be talking about B2B marketing lessons from The Mandalorian with Webby Honoree, Yadin Porter de Leon. I'm here on business. I need your help. I've been quested to bring this one back to its kind. If I can locate other Mandalorians, they can guide me. This is no place for a child. Wherever I go, he goes. Okay, so why did you choose The Mandalorian for today's episode of Remarkable? Well, first of all, especially speaking as a marketer and content marketer, it's great content. That is Yadin Porter de Leon, a Webby honoree and global executive content marketing lead at VMware, a leading provider of multi-cloud services and a $50 billion-plus technology company. It's great storytelling, excellent characters, and it's got some really important core truths that I think can help illustrate some key parallels to marketing. And one other really key thing is that it's set in the future where AI, droids, <sighs> droids, machines are working side-by-side side as featured characters, which I think really tells a great story from a marketing perspective of how some of the tools that are coming out with generative AI, et cetera, are going to be the way in which we need to work in the future. So I thought all those things kind of come together or a way to tell a great story around marketing. Meredith, what the heck is The Mandalorian? The Mandalorian is a Star Wars TV series and it launched in 2019. That is Meredith O'Neill, our amazing producer extraordinaire for this show and many other shows at Caspian Studios. It's created and executive produced by John Favreau, who we know on Remarkable for having directed and executive produced Iron Man as well, which we covered in a previous episode. So John Favreau partnered with Lucasfilm and Disney for the production of the series. It's considered a space western, which I love the idea of, and I think that's a super cool genre. I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. And it's the first live-action TV series in the franchise. It stars Pedro Pascal as the main character, Din Jaren, and the show premiered on Disney Plus on November 12th, 2019, and it's now in its third season with a fourth in development. But as for what it's about, and to kind of put it in place within the Star Wars franchise, The Mandalorian is supposed to take place about five years after the return of the Jedi and the fall of the Galactic Empire. I don't know if you heard, but the Empire is gone. Din Jaren, who Pedro Pascal plays, is a lone bounty hunter, and he's um, hired by remnant imperial forces to go get the child Grogu, who people who are fans of the show call him Baby Yoda. So he looks just like a little mini Yoda. But instead, Din Djarin ends up going on the run to protect Grogu. Wait, 
They said 50 years old. Species age differently. Perhaps it could live many centuries. Sadly, we'll never know. No. We'll bring it in alive. And kind of reunite Grogu with his kind, but on the way, they're pursued by the leader of a remnant of the fallen Galactic Empire, this key bad guy, Moff Gideon. And then they end up traveling to Mandalore so Din Djarin can try to redeem himself for removing his helmet, which is apparently a transgression. The Mandalorian armor has set me on my path. It's a transgression indeed, Marineth. One of the great transgressions. Spoiler alert. Yes, <laughs> spoiler alert. So I was really excited about choosing Mandalorian because it is absolutely one of my favorite shows of all time. As soon as it came out, I know it's like brand new. But I love it because it's a great story and it's really cool and interesting. I love it from a character perspective. How many shows put a super famous actor, cover up their entire face, and let them be the face of the franchise? I mean, it's crazy. I'm a hunter. I'm looking for some work. Yeah, there's a bit of a branding thing there, too. You're like, let's put someone who's really great actor and then give them a challenge. This might be a challenge, maybe like an improv challenge. Maybe they were doing this one night at a bar and they're like, hey, let me put a bucket of popcorn on your head and let me see if you can emote with that bucket on your head. And it's like, hmm, I think Mandalorian. Check the child. So it reminds me of the scene in Psycho where uh, Janet Leigh, um, she's a super famous actor in the 1950s and uh, she gets killed in the shower in the opening of Psycho. And uh, same sort of thing. Why would you cast this massive actor and then kill her? It's like the same thing with, um, uh, with Pedro Pascal in The Mandalorian. It's like absolutely incredible acting by him. If you want my armor, you'll have to peel it off my dead body. But additionally to that, I don't know if you have the making, making of, they're doing really fascinating stuff. Yeah, it's really, it's really sort of off the cuff with all the different directors they have floating in and, and having different perspectives and the look and feel. It is, John Favreau is doing something really, really interesting. I was surprised how much money they gave him to do something that was kind of sort of going off in a weird, crazy direction, but they, they did it and they're making it work. And well, and Industrial Light and Magic is doing some stuff with the way that they're doing sound stages and all that that is like cutting edge because it looks like a feature film. I mean, it looks incredible and the way that they're doing that stuff. So Mandalorian for me, exciting in many, many ways. And I think that this show has one of the most classic storytelling techniques, which is Lone Wolf and Lost Cub, right? Wait, don't hurt the child. If you put one mark on him, there's no place you will be able to hide from me. That this hardened person has to take on this little baby who imprints on them as soon as they meet. And it's the one thing in this world that they're not looking for and of course it becomes the thing in this world that they're most proud of uh, and it's a classic storytelling technique pretty much never used in b2b marketing which which uh, uh, which we'll talk about here in a bit we should change that Ian I think we how can we do the lone wolf cub in b2b marketing that's going to be the challenge of 2023 we'll figure it out we'll do something yeah I mean it's it happens all the time right we talk about mentorship all the time in marketing find a mentor there's a five million blogs about a mentor how many stories are there about mentorship where a you know hardened executive who has never <laughs> had a mentor before has a you know 
young up and coming person who won't leave them alone? Like not very many. Yes. I guess in this, in the Mandalorian parallel would have to be this executive who's going to basically either crush this person or turn them in or, you know, kick them off the team or something. But when they find them, instead of doing the bad thing that they were supposed to do, they're like, you know what? Instead of, you know, booting this person on that spinoff company that we're going to sell, let's actually, let me take this person in under my wing and we'll go off and create something amazing together and they'll grow in the process and I shall become a better person as this hardened executive. There's got to be something some way there. I'm thinking like a 12-part series here and I might get, you know, John Favreau to maybe executive produce it. I'm going to pitch him. I'll be on, on his calendar soon, pitching him that. Okay, so Meredith, can we dig in a little bit more of the making of The Mandalorian? Yeah, so the making of The Mandalorian actually has this really revolutionary tool that they're using in production. So as I had mentioned before, John Favreau partnered with Lucasfilm and Disney. And so they're working with a company called Industrial Light and Magic and Epic. And they're bringing together this, what they call game engine real-time render and video wall technology. And that makes the backdrop for the Mandalorian. And so in production, what that looks like is they have this huge box that they sort of walk into. There's a door and they come inside and they call it the volume. And it basically, they project on these, not project, but it's LED light displays. And there are seven machines basically producing this dynamic three-dimensional environment. And so what that means is that like in pre-production, they're making this world for the Mandalorian show to kind of live in. It's incredibly impressive when you first walk out there because it completely surrounds your peripheral vision. And you really quickly forget that you're indoors and you're not out on some planet's surface. It feels like a real three-dimensional environment surrounding you because it is a three-dimensional environment. And they can adjust the backdrop as needed. Like in the blink of an eye, they can change it from like the desert to an Arctic, like cold scene. Um, and they can do it so fast. And so it's made production really, really efficient so that they can literally just be like, okay, we're changing now to this scene and the whole scenery changes and they can turn it, they can adjust it as needed. Um, but really they're the first team to apply this kind of technology to a production. It's really taking that like game engine real-time render. So it's basically like a gaming scene projecting it onto the video walls. The ability to shoot a 10-hour dawn is extraordinary. To shoot any sequence where you say, oh, this world's not quite right, let's just move it a little bit. An extraordinary number of benefits and advantages for shooting in that environment. It's mind-blowing what that tool is. And this is so fascinating from a marketing standpoint because the reason why they're doing this is because it's cheaper. They had to figure out a way to do stuff cheaper. And they were like, well, what if we basically painted the walls as a video game of the background of the thing? And then, so imagine if Mandalorian is riding a horse. Well, he's, it's not a horse. It's like a space creature. Do you have a land speeder or speeder bike that I could hire? And he's sitting with a puppet in his lap on the creature. And the creature is a real creature, not, not like it's not alive, but it's a, it's a physical object that he is actually riding that has you know, hydraulics and other things that he's riding on in the scene and it's shooting that and it looks super real. And then the background is wherever it is that they are. Super cutting edge, really, really cool. It's how they're doing this. And the reason that they're doing it is because it's way cheaper to do that than to fly to Iceland and fly to Scotland and fly to 
Australia and like all these other places that they would normally do if you're shooting a feature film. So Yadin, tell us a little bit about these truths that are at the heart of Mandalorian. Well, I like the core truths of this, which I feel like I have a parallel in a lot of different things, but I know we're having a B2B marketing conversation. So kind of focus on those pieces where trust is one of those critical ones and trust between not just the main character and Grogu, both of those are main characters, sort of the, the lone wolf and the cub, but also among all of the sort of the Mandalorian tribe trust and the sort of a, a culture that was scattered to the wind all over the place. And then the, this one core group of them came together under this sort of very strict code of the Mandalore, creating a very powerful culture. Uh, and of course, the mantra of this is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Which demonstrates the way in which multiple different people can follow the same path and produce great results and create great value when they don't have to be born in the same area or you know, be brought up in the same way. They can come from all different parts of the galaxy in this particular, you know, world. And they can come together and have a very powerful cultural built on trust that then allows them to produce the great things they do, which is protect themselves. It allows them to take care of themselves and eventually, you know, move to a place where they can create a thriving culture that they want to eventually. Yeah, and so as B2B marketers, I think one of the things that I always think about is just getting on the same page with this you know, this is the way, it's part of that, right? That your creed... It goes against the Mandalorian creed. And I know that it's a space opera, right? They're not marketers, but the creed that they have is something that they've had for a long, long time. And I think that as marketers, sometimes you feel a little hamstrung with the way things always have been done. And like, that's a core element of this series, that this creed that they've been following for years, forever, for the entirety of their existence, also puts them at risk for, you know, not being a community anymore. That ultimately the thing that brings them together is figuring out a way to work within this and also outside of it. And how do we accept that stuff? And I think as marketers, like so often, you know, you sort of have a culture of like, hey, well, we're going to do all this stuff in marketing and then like, you know, sales figure it out or, we're going to do all this cool stuff and we think that this is really great work and maybe it doesn't drive pipeline or something like that. But at the end of the day, like it is all part of the same thing and marketing is part of revenue. And I think that like a lot of marketers are, are understanding that more now, but it's still probably the old school way of living in a silo is, is still around. Yeah. The silo thing is very, very real. And I think there's, you touched on some good positive negative things of that mantra applied to B2B marketing. This is the way. And it can be extremely powerful if you have messaging and branding consistency where you go to market in the same way across all of your geos, across all your departments, across all of your business units, instead of having all these weird, crazy, fragmented things that may seem cool at the time, but not actually showing up in the market in a way that will actually tell a consistent story. And so you want to be able to hand a messaging hierarchy, for example, to someone you know within the EMEA region to go, you know, out through Europe and through different areas there and be able to hand that to them and say, this is the way and have them go out consistently and be able to, you know, have a collective strategic focus, you know, where it's ABM or account focus or digital programs or events. And you'll be able to, be able to like hand a team a strategic framework or an event and say, this is the way and have them be able to execute and market consistently or foster a culture of truth and excellence, you know, where people can step forward and help each other 
and lift each other up and then bring someone new in the organization to say, this is the way. But there's bad things too. Like you can stuck in like lost in cookie pulling and retargeting and brand ads and all the things like we've always done it the same way. And so this is the way which basically, you know, get on board or else. Tell me where the Mandalorians are and I'll walk out of here without killing you. There's definitely negative components to that. But I think ultimately, if you've got a great North Star, if you've got a wonderful, great, positive vision, if you want to go to market with that vision, there has to be something that, you know, brings everyone together. Something like, this is the way that you need to be able to hand to the rest of the organization and have them move in the same direction. Yeah, so Eugene, I have a question for you. So I, you're, you're a VMware, obviously a very large company. So you would think there'd be some challenges around bringing everyone together. But I've actually worked with the team and it seems like everyone is on the same page. I've done some of, some of the brand guideline works and everything. And everyone is using consistent messaging across the board. And so I'm curious, is it as easy as just coming up with some consistent messaging in, in like brand guidelines throughout the company? Or is it a little bit more than that? in terms of building trust. Yes, I'm glad you pointed that out too, Colin, as far as building trust too, because one of the things I really like to point out too is when you're doing this, it's just as important when you're trying to build external community or you're trying to reach an audience is to build that internal community. You know, this is the way it can be translated into, this is how we're gonna work together. A Mandalorian and a Jedi, they'll never see it coming. This is how we're gonna align all of our efforts across all the different teams so that we can break silos and do all the wonderful stuff that you're talking about. So I'm glad that you're seeing, Colin, that you're seeing some consistency with messaging and all the other stuff within, you know, within VMware, because we have worked extremely hard to create a culture in which we work together. We actually call it one VMware. And that one VMware is kind of our, this is the way. So we will actually say that hashtag like one VMware, or we'll say it in meetings or we'll put it on slides. And it's it's funny because I think about it, like every time I see that, I'm like, this is the way. Ah, one VMware, this is the way. And we do it in a positive way because we decide, okay, collectively, we're going to decide from the very, very top, from a strategic level, this is how we're going to go to market. And that agreement takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of alignment across so many different stakeholders and interests. And then once you have that, though, you have that really powerful thing. It's not just a messaging doc. It's not just, you know, a template. It's not just, you know, certain things that may be outputs of that. But those outputs then are born from that alignment from those relationships, from those stakeholder buy-ins. And once you have that and you release it, then now you have everyone who's bought into it able to move in the same direction. They've all then taken the creed, as it were, and said, okay, we're going to work towards this go-to-market strategy with this messaging, using these channels, focusing on these customers, et cetera, et cetera. And then if you have, you know, that this is the way culture you continue to permeate that throughout and everyone stays on the same page. And when you see people who are trying to go off and do something different, you know, you go to them and you know, say, this is the way. And they say, okay, well, we're going to do that. But also I can do this innovative thing, but at the same time be aligned. So yes, glad you're seeing that, Colin, because it's not just creating the messaging doc. It's creating those relationships, building the trust and getting buy-in from people that really is the, the power behind it. So Yadin, where does CIO exchange fit into this? Can you talk a little bit about like your purview at the company and what you've built? The CIO exchange, just shorthand, really is, it was born out of two things. One is I was brought on the company to really own the narrative and the conversation with the executive audience. So think CIO, 
for VMware being a B2B technology company. So what is that relationship with the CIO? How do we build trust with that audience? How do we deepen relationships? And how do we shift perceptions? And I like to look at it through a lens of what is marketing in any circumstance. It's, you know, it's creating those conditions for stories to spread so you can help people get where they're trying to go. It's doing the work that matters for people who care and a chance to create products and services that lead to change. Now, that's a lot. I hammer that into every time I, you know, I talk about this. But what it means is I go into this thinking, okay, what do I need to build? What do I need to create in order to be able to do that? In order for me to be able to help the CIO get where they're hoping to go. I need to build something that helps them with all the things that are really important to them as individuals and also important to them as technology leaders and important to them, you know, as members of an organization. And the CIO exchange was done to do that, to bring them closer to the VMware brand while actually helping them do what they need to do. I always like to say this as, why are we trying to use our audience to solve a marketing problem? Why don't we use marketing to solve our audience's problem? So these are executives who are tasked with solving really, really hard problems and they need information. They need peer-to-peer networking. They need perspectives in order to be able to do what they do better to help them along that journey of solving those really hard technology problems that are then tied to really, really important business outcomes. So the CIO exchange was a whole layers of different components and different outputs and different channels that took all the best things that were being done for the executive audience across the company and brought them into one platform that people could plug into. So someone in security said, hey, I've got a security message that I want to tell, you know, to the CIO audience. Great. Plug into the platform and then it transforms whatever they're trying to do to something that's going to help an executive make a decision while at the same time showing them this is what VMware is doing in security but not from a, hey, this is a great product. It's from a, hey, we're part of this conversation and we're going to engage with you in a conversation. And so the channels manifest as a webpage, vmware.com slash CIO, the CIO Exchange podcast, the CIO Exchange video series, the events exec summit, lead forward, and all sorts of other digital programs that support all the things that are part of CIO Exchange. Yeah, it's a really brilliant strategy and it's a really cool exciting development, I think, in B2B marketing, because I think the idea of the this is the way, this is our marketing strategy, allows people to be very creative within those left and right limits of like, hey, this is where we're going. CAO exchanges is a great example of that, of like, hey, this nests in exactly with what we're trying to do as an organization. And then you could have the conversation, like when getting when we first started chatting, where you're like, hey, this CIO exchange could have different things that go into it. And whatever those things are, we can figure out. But like, maybe this podcast series can be elevated in a certain way. Maybe these videos can be elevated in a certain way. Maybe we can integrate to a bunch of different ways that other marketers in the organization, that they're doing things, we could bring them in. But like, once you have this channel or this brand or or whatever you want to call it, that nests into the larger strategic picture, then you can do all sorts of cool and creative things with that. I think a lot of time people worry about like their quote unquote like podcast strategy, for example, or their video strategy. And it's like the complete wrong way of thinking about it. It's like, you don't need to have like an audio first strategy. Audio is nested within your existing programs. There's a couple of things that you brought up too. I want to kind of take a step back in. One is, just having that overarching strategy that then drives the rest of the activity. So 
you brought up that you can have something like a big messaging doc or a go-to-market strategy, but then there's all this creativity and wonderful things that can happen as a result. There just has to be the alignment. So we have like this, the big messaging doc, which is, you know, my teams that I'm on is one of the teams that goes throughout the organization and gets the consensus on that messaging doc. And then CIO Exchange then aligns to it. So when I'm creating the hierarchy and messaging for content, that aligns to our core go-to-market strategy and messaging. It aligns to what our CEO, our president, our CMO wants to go to market with. What is the content strategy for all of the different pieces that go up on CIO Exchange, the web property, that's vmware.com slash CIO. That is driven by, you know, an editorial that aligns to what that messaging is. All the different pieces of that, you know, what we talk about in the video, what we talk about in the podcast. Like you said, you don't have to say like, okay, well, okay, we're going to do a podcast. Now we have to develop this. What's our podcast strategy? And we're going to do everything around this podcast strategy. And what are the podcast metrics? What you want to do is connect it to all the different other things. Start with one thing first. And this is really important. Start with one thing do it well. Then go to the next thing and connect that and then do that well. If you try and do a bunch of different stuff, it's not going to work out right. So it's really important that the CIO Exchange platform that was created really was over the course of three to four, you know, or you can even argue five years of efforts that started with relationships, internal community, building connections between all the efforts across the organization that then manifested itself as, okay, we're having an event. Well, let's connect a video series to that. And let's create an opportunity for the attendees, the CIOs, to create thought leadership videos that then tell their story. That helps them with their brand, helps get you know them connected to others who are looking to see what they're doing, and then also gives information to other executives who are trying to solve the same problems they're trying. Connecting all those different things, looking, and then in the end, the result of that wasn't like, hey, we're fulfilling our, you know, our video strategy or audio first strategy. The result of that is that now we have pulled all of these executives from all these different Fortune 500 companies closer to our brand because we helped them accomplish something they were trying to accomplish. We gave them peer-to-peer networking. We gave them insights. We gave them opportunity to raise their own brand and show the world what they're working on. Those are kind of pieces. Once you interconnect those things too, you connect that high level, here's our North Star, to all the different things that you have, those channels, then all the, the activity, the strategies really take care of themselves because those are then just manifestations of, of the core strategies that you're trying to accomplish. And you can get hung up on all the different details, the different best practices for every single channel. And those are good. Definitely adhere to the best practices, but never lose sight of what's your North Star. Why are you doing this? I always like to say, who's it for and what's it for? And how do you know it's working? If you lose sight of those questions, you need really good answers to those questions. If you can't answer those questions, stop what you're doing, answer the questions, and then start again. Yeah, it's so obvious to say who's it for and what's it for. <laughs> Is it working in retrospect? It, it's really hard to do it at the beginning. And I think that a lot of people break down things the opposite way with like, hey, what's our content repurposing strategy? And it's like, well, what do you mean? Yeah, it's easy to say stuff that makes you sound really smart in meetings. It's super easy, especially now with generative AI. You just start typing, I'm in a meeting right now with a bunch of marketers. Can you tell me 12 things that would be really smart to say with regards to marketing strategy? It'll spit 12 things out and you'll sound super smart. They'll be connected to nothing and they won't help anybody, but you'll sound super smart in the call. Yeah, but I think the, the I, I struggle sounding smart no matter what. But um, <laughs> but one of the things that that I think is so important about this is I love how Scott Holden, the CMO of ThoughtSpot, talks about it, where he says, marketing is about bringing your brand message to as many people as you can 
in as many different channels as you can. And that is so much more clear to say, like, what is our message? And like your message for CIO Exchange from the very beginning has been, how do I help CIOs get better at their jobs? How do I help them talk to peers, connect with peers, share peer-driven insights, and in a world that is ridiculously complex and which changes so fast that things at the very cutting edge are really, really, really valuable to CIOs. It's not super valuable if you did a cloud migration 10 years ago for right now. It's not. Like, it's super valuable right now to know what your peers are doing right now. And that's a very different value proposition than, you know, another type of community would be looking for. They might need to know something that's a little bit different than that. Getting really specific too. And when you talked about sort of bringing your brand messaging to, you know, as many people across many channels you can, I think that's a great tactical way to approach from an awareness perspective, because telling your story and telling it well is extremely important and being really clear and crisp about it. What I think the part though that gets missed sometimes is that your story is so important to you and you want as many people to hear it as possible. But guess what? Nobody cares unless you're building a bridge to their story. I have a story as a CIO or as a CMO or a CEO or as a practitioner or as somebody who likes to play tennis or whatever that happens to be, I have my story. If you're not building a bridge to my story, I'm not gonna listen to your story. I don't care about your story. And this can happen, this happens anyways. It could happen to, the, to your friends where you're super excited about thing and you're going to them and you're like saying, this is so awesome. You're excited about it and your friends are like, whatever. And you're, you're like, well, why aren't they excited about it? This is really cool. It's like, well, you haven't built a bridge from your story to their story. You have to understand what are they going through? What do they want? What are their needs? What jobs are they trying to do? What, ton of the, what they're trying to accomplish? Back to the who's it for and what's it for? We really need to get super, super focused. Like, hey, who's it for? It is for this specific audience. What is it for? It's to help them make progress with the things they're trying to make progress with and list those very specific, you know, making hard t- technology decisions, preparing for the instability in the marketplace, supply chain issues, those specific things. Here's what's important to them. Here's their story. And that's what you're doing. And then build that bridge. And what's that bridge? See how Exchange created a bridge of, hey, here's all the different ways in which we can have a conversation with them when it helps them and also creates wonderful content for their peers. And at the same time, it brings the VMware brand along with it. It's like VMware is here saying that we care about what you want. We know, you know, what you're looking to do. And we're going to give you a platform so you can share your successes and also give others the chance to learn from the things that you've experienced. And that's the bridge to their story is that conversation. And then while we're there, then of course, yes, it gets then down into what are the solutions or products that address some of the things that I'm really challenged with, but it's built and you're building that bridge on trust. You've built trust. And then they've given you time and then that use that time to build more trust. I always like to say everything always comes down to time and trust. And those are the, the most precious elements within the marketer's domain is time and trust. We're always trying to work with both of those from the constraints to acquiring more and building the bridge to their story is a great way to acquire more of both. Tying it back to Mandalorian for a little bit. Oh, that's right. We're talking about Mandalorian. No, you're right. Well, so what's really interesting is if you were to start at the very top of Mandalorian, I'm Favreau and and all the leadership at Disney and Star Wars sat down and were like, okay, we're going to tell a space Western. What story do we want to tell? Okay, Mandalorian culture and all this stuff is really cool. It's been written about a bunch, but it's never been really explored at all. Okay, cool. Who do they historically fight with? Hey, spit that out. 
oh, the same race that Yoda was. Okay, well, how do we put these two people together? Well, why don't we make one of them the, you know, lone wolf and one the cub? Like, okay, well, the cub has to be 50 years old because they age different. Okay, well, we'll put them together. And we're going to tell it, you know, eight episode seasons over three, four seasons, hours and hours of content. Okay, well, what are they going to do? Well, he's a bounty hunter. Essentially, it's going to be a bit of a procedural we're going to be going to a different planet pretty much every episode. How are we going to shoot that? Because we can't go to all these locations. We're going to shoot it in this like super modern, cool, new way. Then who's going to direct these? Oh, we're going to bring in all these really cool directors. Everyone has to be on the same page for how they're going to direct these because they're going to use this technology. It is such a clarity of vision and mission for this franchise. And that's why it's been executed so brilliantly. Everyone is making it the same way with the outcome the same way um, and to nest into this like way larger storytelling that Disney is doing with all of these different characters, bringing in old characters, bringing in new characters. And like, you know, again, back to B2B marketing, like they have everybody on the same page. They have a vision of like where the organization wants to go. They have the thematic stories and the characters that they want to tell. And they're going to execute it in a very specific, repeatable way that they know that they can keep doing this over and over and over again. And like, that is exactly what marketers need to do too. Yes, that is exactly, this is the way. They need that clarity of vision is really, really critical because it has to permeate through everything. But you can have like in The Mandalorian, you can have all this creative outlet. You can have different people like Watiti, you know, directing it in a different way than another person, you know, directing a different episode but you have that same clarity of vision that keeps everyone moving in the same direction. So that when you watch it, you have an experience where you have different creative elements that move you through the story, but it is all moving you through the same story. And you're making progress with a singular vision. And the output is just this wonderful, great piece of content with texture and storytelling and character that entertains you and delights you and takes you on a journey and then you just want to watch you over and over again. It's just fabulous. And so do that in B2B marketing. Create a vision and then inspire those people who want to be creative to be creative because now they have the guardrails. They say, hey, look, it just operate with them, just align to this and then go do something amazing as long as aligned to this. Don't tell them how to do it, but tell them what the vision and the outcome is and then see what amazing things they create. Yadin, great having you on the show. Thanks again, and uh, we'll talk soon. Well, that's it for today. I hope you got some good ideas for your B2B content. Thank you for listening to Remarkable. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. Remarkable is created by the team at Caspian Studios, B2B podcast as a service. Caspian also creates fiction series for B2B companies, so if you want a business thriller, you can learn more at caspianstudios.com. Hollywood-style storytelling for B2B. And in today's episode, you heard from myself, Ian Faison, Colin Stamps, our podcast launch manager, and Meredith O'Neill, senior producer here at Caspian Studios. Remarkable was produced this week by Meredith O'Neill, mixed by Scott Goodrich, and our theme song is Solomon by Falak.